Will humanity team up with one of its greatest enemies to defeat its current threat? Is there currently secret coded messages appearing over shortwave radio? And then we travel to England to take a look at three young boys out for a walk. They expected a fun day of exploring the countryside. Instead, they walked directly into the past. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I'm actually recording this at 10.30 in the morning, super early. I'm normally working out right now. I finished watching that show Freakish. It's pretty good. I recommend it. They're not making a new season though, so some cliffhangers. You gotta use some headcanon to figure out what you want the ending to be. But overall, I enjoyed it. I'm watching a new show called Zomboat. It's about, it's a zombie comedy, which I normally abhor. But, you know, any zombie port in a zombie storm. I'll check it out. I watched the first two episodes. It was clever. I haven't laughed out loud, but it's clever. Four people trying to escape on a canal boat, which apparently is the slowest boat. The zombies are constantly, like, 30 yards behind the boat. There were two episodes in, and it's the same group of zombies following them. Pretty clever. I did play my escape game last night, the Haunted Roller Coaster. There's a box egg you know you you guys know about those escape rooms right you know they made that terrible movie based on them but there's actually like an escape room you go and you pay to have you and your friends argue about who's the leader of the group as you guys try to solve this puzzle you can replicate that anger at home through a boxed game they have the escape room in a box and it's only to be played once you it's like 15 bucks you play it one time So I'm in self-isolation. I bought myself a copy. I sat down last night, and I played it. It probably took about an hour. And I had to use a couple of the solution cards, because the quizzes, some of the puzzles were really, really difficult. But it was fun! Like, yeah, it was 15 bucks for, like, a one-time thing, which is also food, right? You don't go, "Mm -mm mm-mm-mm, can't wait to eat that again, and then eat your vomit. Most stuff is a one-time thing, but I enjoyed it. I recommend doing it. Now, I don't know how much fun I would have had doing it with another person. He's like, no, don't look at the solution card yet. Don't do that. Yeah. If you want to fray, if you want to start a fight while you guys are all quarantined, buy it. But again, you can also just play by yourself. It was really fun. I enjoyed it. So anyways, uh, I recommend that. Now, we are going to give the keys to Eva Marie. She's our newest Patreon supporter. And this weekend is her birthday. And since yesterday's episode got cut short, we're going to let her fly around. We're going to let her drive us around. It is a privilege to be our chauffeur. So, Eva Marie, I hope you got, you know, good back muscles. Let's hop in the Dead Rabbit rowboat. And you are going to row us across the big pond. We're leaving behind America. We're headed to France. Now, guys, I'm going to tell you this right now. This is pretty good news. This is pretty good news, okay? My fellow addicts out there, both drug addicts and spaces above houses addicts, you're all involved. Because we need the addicts to store all this stuff in. Apparently, in France, a bunch of doctors are sitting around and they go, we just got new reports from China. Put them in the shredder because China's lying to us about everything coronavirus related. We're not even going to talk about China. 
done talking about China and their lies regarding this thing. But in France, they were looking at these Chinese quote-unquote results that doctors are all rolling their eyes. Oh, another study from China, throw it away. But they did start to notice something in France. They started to notice something in France as well. China said they had this, but again, China says they had 3,000 deaths. So they're lying. France says this. It's, let's look at the stats here. 25% of the French adult population smokes. When we're having our patients come in, 8.5% of the patients coming in to the hospital for coronavirus are smokers. And the doctor's like, that's kind of a weird statistic. And the head doctor's like, it is weird. Like, we expected it to honestly be higher. Because this disease can attack the lungs, but it can also attack the central nervous system. That's why they say people will start to lose their sense of taste. That's why they say people lose their sense of smell. Sometimes has a nervous... I have a theory about that. I have a theory if it gets in your eyes, it causes neurological things. If it gets in your throat... It'll cause the lung thing, but it's the same disease. But I'm not a doctor, and I have nothing to back it up, But because it doesn't affect everyone the same way. They go, it's weird. We expected, honestly, to have that basically be a pre-existing condition. We know smoking is bad for your lungs. If this thing attacks your lungs, which it primarily does, you're boned, right? And you're already full of black tar. So when they started getting these patients coming in, and they knew Italy had a high smoking rate, they knew China had a high smoking rate, But again, you can't trust anything coming out of that government. They expected the results there, and it's not the case at all. So they started doing a study. They started doing a study where they are taking people who currently are infected with the coronavirus and putting nicotine patches on their skin. This is their theory. Despite the fact that smoking can actually weaken your lungs, they believe there is something in cigarettes, and they are pinpointing nicotine itself. That can not only help you if you have the coronavirus, but it may prevent you from getting it in the first place. So here's the thing. Nicotine downregulates your ACE2 receptors. That is old research. They've known that for a long time. A couple years. I won't say it's like super old, but they've known that for a while. The coronavirus needs to have your ACE2 regulators flying up. Okay, give me some. Give me some of you. Sweet, sweet coronavirus. Come on, touch me. Nicotine actually downregulates those receptors, makes it harder for the coronavirus to get into your lungs. They also believe because nicotine can work on the central nervous system that it can stop it from getting into your central nervous system as well. So this study is going on right now. They're putting nicotine patches on them. And France, the French researchers are saying, listen, this is an addictive drug. And I read an article and they said, in the end, 50% of the people who smoke, it kills them. And that doesn't necessarily mean lung cancer. Obviously, it causes cardiovascular issues as well. And I don't know if that statistic is true, honestly. That sounds quite bizarre if it it really is 50%, but maybe they lump in all these different things. It sounds extreme. That sounds extreme. But anyways, the point is, is that here's a study that's going on right now that scientists have, when, when this whole thing started, they go... I've read other studies on this. This is the first, like, official one, but I've read other papers on this where they're like, we do know nicotine downregulates ACE2. Like, this might be a treatment option. So would you be willing, as a society, to embrace nicotine? We've been taught our whole lives how awful and horrible it is, and it may actually be 
not only a treatment if you have it, but a preventative measure if you don't. And I know what you, I know what long-term listeners of the show are thinking. Jason, does this mean you're going to start doing nicotine lozenges again after not taking them for eight months, nine months of this time? Only time will tell, my friends. Only time will tell. Wouldn't that be awesome, though? You go to the doctor and they're like, oh, here you go, nicotine. I miss nicotine. I, I think that's the dr- my drug of choice. I keep going to those subreddits. I'm still going to the meth subreddit and the opiate subreddit, the crippling alcoholism subreddit. I found there's a subreddit just for heroin. I mean, they don't want to be lumped in with the pill takers of opiates. Blech. There's How is this stuff up online? Like, I get it. I always thought Reddit was like the prissy principle. No, they have a they have a subreddit directly dedicated to doing heroin, and they're and they even go. This isn't about harm reduction, guys. This is about how much we love heroin. There's a subreddit called Heroin Hotties. There's not many of those. I don't even know how a her- person on heroin operates a phone. How they can even post. There's a subreddit I found today for PCP users. And I scrolled through it a couple times, and I already came across two posts, and they're both like, help, I need your help right now. Which I imagine is what everyone on PCP says. Nicotine, it's a wave of the future, guys. Let's move on to our next story. Our next story we actually found on Reddit, too. Eva Marie, let's hop in that Jason Jalopy. We are driving out to Germany. So that's pretty good, pretty close, right? I imagine France isn't too... Too happy about being that close to Germany, you know, considering world events. And as we're driving to Germany, and really this is happening all over Europe, but I've seen this come out of Germany, Netherlands, France as well. That's a rumor of where this is coming from. But as we're driving around just Europe in general, taking a look at... Do you guys still have battlefields over there? Like in America, they're like, this is Gettysburg. It's like a park where you can go and you can walk around, eat a sandwich... I don't know really what you would do there. I think it would probably be cool to go there. But, you know, like, or you could just show me a picture. Do they have, I mean, I guess probably not because everywhere was a battlefield in Europe. You're like, here's Paris. It's a national park. You can't go in there. Like, everything ended up getting bombed out at some point. But, like, Normandy. Can you bring a metal detector to Normandy? Just walk around, looking for stuff. Or can you just hang out on the beach? You're surfing. Whoa, hang 10, veterans. I, I wonder if it's a national park over there. But again, everywhere would be a national park. Germany's like, oh, we don't want to talk about that. We don't want to talk about the two world wars we lost. Anyways, we're driving around Germany going, losers, losers. Everyone's like, ah, we will rise again. Losers, mooning them. Anyways, anyways, after we're done getting beat up by a bunch of Germans for mocking them, we turn on the radio of the car. Found this on Reddit. There's a user named Shadow People for Life. That is a name I can get behind. That's a name I can get behind. So thank you, Shadow People for Life. We're listening to the radio. Now, what's going on? There's, I'm going to play you a clip. So this is the part where you can start like lowering the volume. If you have headphones on, I'm going to try to minimize the damage, obviously. Not going to have it start off super loud, but if you're across the room working on something, you can start to turn the volume down a second. What's happening is in the shortwave radio community, people are sitting there with their headphones on, turning the dial. Hey, everybody, this is uh, old Candy Cane driving down the road. 
turning the turning the dial some more. Hey, hey, Barney, is that you? Yeah, it it is me, Piccolo Pete. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing good, but I gotta keep dialing this dialing this dial. And then what's happening is people are coming across this signal. played a little bit of it for you it goes on and on and i didn't want to basically be the rest of the podcast just noises but what you've heard in that clip um starts off it's and it depends i have different clips of this so i may be not describing it in the right order but you're going to hear a tone like a siren type tone actual american police sirens wolves the howling of wolves and then people talking. Now, people are saying that they're speaking English. I, it sounds like it, but I can't really decipher what they're saying. Now, the shortwave radio community has no idea what this is. There's a couple different theories, but people I keep tuning back into this. First off, you have that it's a glitch. Some person said that. if So, and you guys who have shortwave radios, I'm sure some of you guys do. I always thought it'd be cool to get into in 1992. But nowadays, I'm sure it would still be cool to get into. It's just nothing that, you know, I really have time for. When I was in high school, I thought it was awesome. But not knocking it. It probably is pretty fun. Apparently, it's on the uh, 3460 kilohertz channel out of uh, Netherlands? Out of the Netherlands or something like that? But, um... Nobody knows for sure. I guess some people are saying that it's a French pirate radio station, and if you have your setup wrong, it sounds like that. That sounds a little iffy, but again, I don't know anything about shortwave radio. I know about real radio. If I have my radio upside down, it doesn't turn from Shakira to Blink-182. Like, a, 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 a sound is a sound, right? And you could even say, like... Let's say you rigged up so you're listening. Shakira's playing on an FM radio, but somehow you're able to get it on the AM station. It's not gonna. Shakira's not gonna sound like a bunch of wolves howling. She did have that one song called "She Wolf," but the point is, is that she's still not gonna sound like that. So some people say one person came out and said this is this is actually a French pirate radio station that does techno music, and you're listening to it with this wrong setting. So that's why it sounds like that, and that might work for me. But people who are people who are in the shortwave radio community, I don't think they all went slapped their head and they go, "Oh, he's right." Like people are like, "No, no, no, that's not the case. I know how to work my shortwave." Some people say it's a glitch, and that kind of goes with the French thing too. That something's not translating right. It's weird that you hear those elements. Some people are already LARPing, and they're saying they can hear it when they stick their head out their window. I mean, and it, this is this is like started April 20th. This is super, super recent. People are already LARPing it. And that's the thing that we got to be aware of in this community. You're going to get, there's just going to be a lot of liars and a lot of jokers. A lot of people just having fun like the penguin guy yesterday. So don't, it's always, never be in a rush to take this stuff too seriously. Like, obviously these tones are real. Someone could have made these tones and could be, making an ARG, but you already have people saying, I stuck my head out the window on our, so expect to hear that, expect to hear those 
fanciful tales start spreading. We really want to look at the facts here. But speaking of not having any facts, the main theory among the shortwave radio community that I've seen is that this is some sort of code or call to action. Basically, when you think of wolves, you think of two things, a lone wolf and a wolf pack, right? And so it could signal a code as far as it's time for the lone wolves to do something. You got your orders, guys. Go out and do this stuff. Or it could be a symbol of it's time to form the pack. It's time to get everything together. When you have the police sirens, obviously, that makes you, that raises an alarm. That's what they literally are. They are alarms. Letting people know that they're coming. So, that it, it's funny because that's kind of it. These people are really trying to, like, they're running this stuff through, like, analyzers and spectrograms and trying to figure out if there's any sort of other type of message. But for right now, the shortwave community is just listening in to see if there's anything else coming through that stream. It's funny because one of the groups of people that are monitoring this are people who normally monitor number stations. Where you basically can tune in and it goes like 5, 9, blark, 9, 70, 9, 12. They really like 9s for a reason. But they basically read off numbers. Sometimes they're, sometimes they're not necessarily numbers. It'll be words. Like simple words that don't make any sense. Sometimes they're in English, sometimes they're in Russia. That's most likely. Number stations have been around since the Cold War. I think number stations, honestly, have probably been around since radio. And I, I bet you anything is just... And I think this is not anything groundbreaking. There, It's code. So if you're in Istanbul and you're running in operations and you're a CIA agent, you can tune in and you'll hear that day's code. And then when you go to your talk to your, your handler... And reveal it. I mean, that may be an oversimplification of it, but it's most likely code that if you listen from 6.30, your job, your code plays between 6 p.m. and 6.04. And that number or whatever they give you then, you again, the super oversimplification of it. Could be more advanced than that. <laughs> than my Neanderthal version, me know number four, let me in secret base. They're like, oh, okay, Neanderthal CIA agent. That is a new Nickelodeon show, bro. Neanderthal, FBI. I know I just said CIA, but kids don't want to learn about the CIA. Kids know about the FBI. You have a caveman who works for the Federal Bureau of Investigation. James Wan, I know you listen to the show. Make that happen. Just uh, split. You got to split me that money because that Nickelodeon money, that's good money. Let's go ahead and move on from Neanderthal FBI. We are going on to his partners in Dinosaur. You don't even have to make an animated, right? It would be better if it was a live action. And then you have this giant dude, giant hairy guy, right? Okay, I guess it's not really what kids want to see. They're like, you look like daddy. Daddy, daddy without a shirt on. No, you just have a giant caveman, right? I'm off topic. You have a giant caveman, right? <laughs> He's like walking through the bureau and he gets assigned to a dinosaur. But, and you go, Jason, that's kind of trite. No, 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 you didn't let me finish. It's, he hates dinosaurs because they ate his family and stuff like that. So to, to us, dinosaurs are cute because we only see them in like movies or like Barney, right? Or chickens. But to him, the dinosaur represents like everything he hates. Me remember 
9-11. That's when Dinosaur ate 911 of my tribe. I do not work with dinosaurs and the dinosaur. Dinosaur's like a Chester Cheetah dude with like the sunglasses. Tiny little T-Rex arms. He's sitting back. He's like, that was in the past. Literally, that was in the past. That was 65 million years ago, bro. So, but anyways, anyways, we're leaving behind Neanderthal FBI. We're leaving behind his new partner, Tommy T. We are headed out to Britain. This has actually been a pretty European-heavy episode. I didn't plan it that way. We are leaving behind all of our new friends that I just made up. We are headed out to Britain. Fire up that carpenter copter one last time this episode, Eva Marie. We are going to a little town named Kersey in the province of Suffolk in the quaint little country known as England, or as I often refer to England as a city. I've called England a city multiple times on this podcast. I don't care. We're going to Kersey. The year is 1957. The month is October. Spooky, spooky pumpkins out on porches, which is so many witches flying, you can't even see the moon sometimes. Sucks. But these three, it's not nighttime, so it's not super spooky. None of that stuff has happened yet. There's three young men. They're British Royal Navy cadets. So we're flying overhead, and we see these three young men walking through. And I'm like, land here, land here. And Eva Marie brings the helicopter down. And we land in a little pasture. We sit, we pull out our binoculars. You brought your binoculars this episode, right? Because you're not borrowing mine, bro. Not getting none of your pink eye. I got my binoculars on, looking out. We see these three kids walking. Now, they're all 15 years old. They're all members of the British Royal Navy cadets. And they're on a pathfinding exercise. So, basically, the British Royal Navy cadet group is all sitting around. And they're like, dude, are we going to learn guns today? He's like, yes, we're going to learn guns. But those three losers don't know how to shoot. So, hey, you, Tony, Joey... Michael, you come here. We don't know their real names, but that's very British-sounding names, right? Tony, uh, Michael, and Joe. I don't remember who the second guy was. Even the guy running the cadets, he's like, I don't, I'm not going to bother learning your names. As the other kids are loading up their really cool guns, he, he gets down on his knees. He goes, hey, kids. Hey, Michael, Tony, and Joe. You guys are going to go on a map-making quest. You're going to try to find your way back to base. We leave you, you go somewhere, and if you can find us again, you get a gold star. They're like, yay, we're totally, yeah, I can't wait to get a gold star. They go running off. He's like, they should have brought supplies, but they didn't. Anyways, they take off. The point is, is that they're on a, they are on a pathfinding expedition by themselves. So, I don't know if they're the losers of the group. Allegedly, my version, don't sue me. So, anyways. Michael, Joey, and Tom, I don't remember their names either, are walking through the countryside. Which, I mean, is that, could you figure out a worse way to spend an October afternoon? Just walking around. Walking around the city of England, I'm sure, is quite beautiful. Now, they're walking through, and they see Kersey. Little town, right? They hear the church bells ringing. Ding dong. Ding dong. And the kids go, that is perfect. Like, we have to eventually find our way back to camp and hope that they just don't get there and there's just a note in an empty camp and it's like, losers. That's that's their fear. They know this is actually part of their training, but at the same time, they're thinking, what if the entire Navy leaves? 
before we get back. So they figure, let's go through the town. Let's go through the town of Kersey. It looks like a nice thing. Maybe we'll buy some, what do they eat over there? Maybe we'll buy some biscuits and gravy or sausage and mutton or whatever. Whatever the hell British people eat. Boiled lamb. So they're walking through. They're like, oh, I can't wait to eat some boiled lamb. They're walking into town. And then, ding dong, ding. Church bells stop ringing. Now, that's not super abnormal. Church bells don't go 24 hours a day. Like, they eventually do stop ringing, right? They're like, it's weird. It, it stopped ringing mid-ding. Like, everyone knows it goes ding-dong. But it just went ding. That's weird. Physics. And Tony goes, well, yeah, that is kind of weird. But let's just keep walking through this town. Because this town's not weird. Look. And they're kind of like just looking around. <laughs> just normal buildings right now. But they notice that the town itself is quiet. The town itself seems to be empty. But off in the distance. Quack, quack, quack. Splash, splash, splash. Quack, quack, quack. Splash, splash, splash. Quack, quack, quack. Those, that was the sound of ducks playing in the water. So it makes the kids go, it is weird that this town's empty. That's kind of weird. Maybe they all left too. Maybe the entire country of England is pulling one giant practical joke on these kids. The entire country moved to France. These three kids are going to be left alone. But no, so they go, that's weird that the town's empty, but we can still hear baby ducks. So you can't, there's generally when there's like a serial killer or a monster running through the neighborhood, the baby ducks are the first to go, right? They're totally out of there. So as long as you can hear baby ducks, you're, you're fine. As they're walking through town, they do start to notice some bizarre things. I mean, obviously the town's deserted and they only got a ding, but the trees have leaves on them. That's something that I wouldn't pick out. I mean, I'm an observant guy for other humans and animals. Like, if I'm walking down the street, I'm which I haven't done in so long, but when I'm out and about, the thing I'm looking for is human adversaries, attractive women, and hostile animals. In that order, honestly. So, walking down the street and see a cute girl, oh, that'll turn my head. Walking down the street and see someone who I think can cause me damage definitely will turn my head. My body language will change. See a hostile animal, body language will change. If I was walking down the street and I turned a corner and all of a sudden there had leaves on the tree, I would not even notice that. Now, if I was walking down the street and it was snowy and I turned a corner and there was no snow, I would thank God so much. But I don't, unless I kept being no snow, I don't think I would think, I would think, oh, just a snowplow was here. I'm not super observant for stuff that can't kill me, basically. I have super heightened spidey sense for things that can kill me and beautiful women. But trees in the winter, no leaves. But now that they're walking through town, they notice green leaves. This might also be why I'm not a Royal Navy cadet. They're probably because I have that low situational awareness. I don't notice when leaves should be on trees. But anyways, they think that's a weird detail. So they start to go, wait a second. Those shouldn't be leaves on those trees, right? Like, it's winter, it's October, and the other kids are like, that is a weird detail, but let's just keep walking through town. Because at this point, they're a couple blocks into town. What are you going to do? You're going to turn around? Things might even be spookier. I I would turn around just to play with the baby ducks, but they keep moving farther away from the baby ducks. There's no cars at all. They're all gone. The church tower. 
whose ringing bell attracted them to walk through the town in the first place, the church tower they can no longer see as they're walking through the city. Now they start to get nervous, but again, you're gonna your brain's gonna work in a such a way that you think maybe I'm in a part of the city where I can't see the largest structure in the city. The church tower you could see from a distance. It was the largest structure. But you're thinking, maybe I'm walking among these houses. Maybe I can't see that. As they're walking through town, they don't see anyone. There's no cars. There's no telephone lines. No telephone poles. Nothing. Now, some of the houses, some of the shops, they can see through the windows. They see a butcher's shop. They're like, boy, old lamb! And they all run to the window, and they look through. It's empty of humans. But hanging inside the butcher shop are large cuts of rotting meat. Just from where they were looking at, they could see the green putrefaction of the carcass on the hook. So here's a quote from one of the boys. Now that I've looked farther down my notes, one of the boys is named William. Did I name one of my fake kids William? I don't think so. But anyways, one of the boys, we do have his real name, is William Lang. There you go for not looking at your notes all the way. Here's a quote he had about his time in this town. Quote, It was a ghost village, so to speak. It was almost as if we had walked back in time. I experienced an overwhelming feeling of sadness and depression in Kersey but also a feeling of unfriendliness and unseen watchers which sent shivers up one's back. I wonder if we knocked at a door to ask a question, who might have answered it? It doesn't bear thinking about. Unquote. After all of these events, the unseen eyes looking at them, realizing they can't see any traces of modern technology, after looking in the butcher shop and seeing the rotting meat, The three kids run out of town. And when they leave town, when they get past the city limits, dong, ding, dong, ding. They turn around. Cars are driving through the town. They see telephone poles. They see trees with no leaves. They see the church steeple. No word on the baby ducks, but we can assume they are still there. At some point, I'm sure they went back and finally found the camp, found the Navy cadets, and they were like, oh, good, you got here just in time, guys. Oh, great, they're back. But anyways, I don't know if they told this story to the Navy. There's no point on that. But they did eventually end up telling this story. Now, this puzzled them for decades. And as adults, they got back together Pennywise style and said, let's figure out what this could have been. And they got with a psychic researcher. So, I mean... Basically, probably could have saved their money on that one. But anyways, these three guys who experience something very real to them and someone who gets paid to lie to people team up to form a group. This is what they discovered through their research. The psychic research was like, oh, yeah, no, I was totally going to like look into the past, but you have that history book there. So I'll just I'll save my uh, psychic energy. You can keep looking in that book. I'm sure, honestly, the Internet has helped psychics more than anyone. Not only from finding rubes to pay them for stuff, but from being able to say, oh, your name is Jason Carpenter? Yeah, no, come meet me Friday, and then they can Google everything about me. And they're like, I sense that you spend a lot of time talking. Whoa, golly! How'd you know I had a podcast? Well, they use the internet. But anyways, back then, back when this story started coming out, when these kids are getting together, the psychic quote researcher was just a researcher, had a library card, could go find this stuff out. Anyways! That was your skeptical minute on Dead Rabbit Radio. Anyway, 
This is what they found out, because obviously there's a lot of details, a lot of history of the town. There was no butcher shop in Kersey since 1905, which makes sense. Like, when's the last time you actually saw a butcher shop? There's grocery stores that have butchered places in it, or unless you work in a slaughterhouse, then you see it all the time. But there was no butcher shop in that place since 1905. So the idea is, is these guys must have teleported back in time to at least 1905. But some people, because this story started to gain traction, these these young men came forward, other people have done research, so they go, at the very latest, when because the idea is they walked into the past, I don't know if that was <laughs> implicitly said, but that they walked through some sort of portal, they walked to Kersey, not of 1957, but of some time previous. The very latest it could have been was 1905. Some people place it as far back as the year 1350. The church tower that should have been visible from any point in town, if you go there today, you can see it from any point in town, was built in 1481. So now you're pushing it farther back. If they cannot see the church tower, let I mean, not hearing it, again, they don't ring their bells all the time, but if you can't see the church tower, if I walk in through the town, we're talking pre-1481. Now, some people obviously are skeptical about the story. They say the kids made it up. There's one detail in particular that they say, other than the fact it's three bored teenagers walking through England. Like, people can make up stuff for any reason. We have to be aware of that when we're talking about this stuff, that people make up stuff all the time, like I said in the previous segment. And that's just something you kind of have to deal with. People say they're making it up. A town that size in the 1400s would not have its own butcher shop. It just wouldn't be there. Now, other people go, but we have town records saying there was a butcher shop until 1905. But they go, ah, you know, they must have been bringing in, they might have had a shop where they were selling meat. But a town that size wouldn't have a shop where they were cutting, like an actual operational butcher shop. The town didn't have that. However, other people have put, this is a weird argument, but other people have pushed back and said the town actually was very wealthy. We know that. They made a ton of money off wool. And we know they were wealthy because they have had glass windows for a very long time. And we covered that a long time ago. I think it was in the episode, in the first hundred episodes, about how glass used to be a sign of immense wealth to the point that people who were super wealthy started to believe their bodies were made of glass. And if they sat down, they would break. It's called the glass delusion. Yeah, this is an old episode, but yeah, because glass was associated with wealth, and wealthy people, only wealthy people, got this mental illness where they thought their body had become glass. They refused to move out of bed. Some people believed they became cork, which is also very, it was a sign of wealth, because you had to get it out of the trees and everything, the cork trees. They were afraid that they would <laughs> they would bobble along in the bath. That would be very easy to prove. Just put a bunch of water in there. They won't bobble. But anyways... So, yeah, that they go, the town probably did have its own butcher shop. If they had enough money that everyone had windows, glass windows, they'd be able to have their own operational butcher shop so nothing's being moved into town. Plus, the fact that the kids specifically saw the glass windows is more of a point in their favor. Because they're seeing something that town actually had. If they were walking through, they walked through a quote-unquote time warp, they were making the story up, and they walked through a town that was impoverished, that didn't have windows back then, and they said there were windows, it would be easily disputable. But they happened to walk through a town that was rich enough to have glass in their windows. 
I've always been a fan of portals. I think they're very creepy too. It's one one of those phenomenon that you just can't predict. You don't want to get attacked by Bigfoot. Don't go into the woods or the desert or really any place where Bigfoot can hang out. Don't go to the Himalayas. You don't want to get attacked by a ghost. Don't go to a haunted house. But portals just seem to appear. And you don't know what's going to be on the other side. And you don't know if you'll be able to get back home. I think there's something intrinsically scary about thinking you could walk out of your house, go down the street, turn around, come back, and you're no longer in your neighborhood. Sure, it looks like your house, and your neighbors may look like your neighbors, but you know you're somewhere different. Could you find a way back? Or even more terrifying is you just go for a quaint afternoon stroll, and then when you come back home, you realize you're the only one for city blocks. You're the only one left in the city. And for all you know, you're just the only one left. These are supernatural stories, obviously. And you could say they can never happen. And I could say they may happen. As remote as the possibility could be, I believe that it could happen. Spatial portals, time portals, dimensional portals. They all sound like science fiction, and I'm totally aware of that. But it's one of the very few phenomenon that I both believe in and am terrified of. I can avoid a cryptid, I can avoid a ghost, I can avoid a demon. I can even avoid a hostile human. But you can't avoid nature. You can't avoid a glitch in the system. You can only hope that you can survive it long enough to find your way back home. And you know what? We're going to end this Friday episode with something a little different. Something that I've wanted to do for a long time. We're going to have a special musical guest. I've talked about this band before, Local Hood River Band. I'm a big fan of them. They're called Sundiver. And I got permission from the lead singer, Aaron, to actually play one of their songs on this show. This song reminds me of a breakup on a summer day back in 2006. This song reminds me of trying to fall asleep alone in bed. I love this song. This is Branch Davidian by Sundiver.
song remind you of like smallville doesn't that song remind you of like a song on smallville i really that's it's definitely it's a weird it has a retro vibe to it but i really really enjoy that song deadrabbitradio at gmail.com is going to be your email address you can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio twitter is at deadrabbitradio deadrabbitradio is your daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast you don't have to listen to it every day but i'm so glad you listened to it today Be safe, be kind, have a great weekend, and I will see you Monday.